The advice and opinions expressed by the host of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. The Center for Autism and Related Disorders advises working with a board-certified behavior analyst who has experience with autism before starting any intensive behavioral intervention. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Welcome to Autism Live. I'm Shannon Penrod, and I'm here live with Dr. Temple Grandin. And we're not going to kid around because I, I know that Dr. Grandin, uh, you were talking earlier that a lot of people have been having internet issues, and you ran into some of them your own last night. So we're gonna we're gonna make hay while the internet is good here. Uh, I, I, today is my birthday, and I know when I talked to Dr. Grandin earlier this month, and I said, you know, what day do you want to come on? And we decided that this is an extra special treat for me being here with her live this morning. You guys have sent in some questions and I know you're gonna write in some more. I'm gonna tell you that we had said that we were giving preferential treatment to the questions that came before, but if we have time, we'll get to a few of the live ones if we have time. Dr. Grandin, how are you today? I'm fine, thank you very much. I'm thrilled that you're here. You just celebrated a birthday, what, like a week ago? That's right, August 29th. And uh, did you have a good time? It, it was a COVID birthday, right? That's a well, that's a different. Yep, I was old, went over and visited my friend Ruth, and she's just uh, she's one of my former students, and she's now an assistant professor of animal science at University of Nebraska. So I'm real happy about that. Well, that's a pretty impressive title too. It's always I you know I used to teach college as well, and uh, it's it's an exciting thing when your students do well for themselves. Well, I want uh, my students to do well. That's yeah. what we try to do. And, you know, everybody's having a hard time, you know, trying to do stuff online. Uh, what I have found with my livestock class is I find it's better to do the flipped format where you put the lectures online and then the class is discussion. That's a lot more engaging. And then you make them watch the lectures. You can't have them save them all up till the end. So you got to do quizzes and stuff. But that seems to work better in this format than now if you're if you're live in the classroom you know, I do the lectures and then you can stop and you can answer questions and that's a lot more engaging but uh, you know let's you know everybody's learning and yeah. you know what I'm seeing is in terms of schools and how they do it like right here school right around here they're doing synchronous where the kids have got to sit at the computer and be in the classroom and then you got some other place where it's just all pre-recorded yeah, it's a, uh, we were talking for just briefly before we went live about the fact uh, that so many people are struggling right now with the learning environment. And one of the things that I have enjoyed about the first time I ever met you, I said to you, you know, when are you planning on retiring from teaching? And I will never forget the response that you said to me. You said, uh, you know, teaching is your passion. And you said, that's like a gift to you. And you said, I, you said to me, I need that as a woman, I need, I need to be in the classroom. And I was so impressed by that because I think that educators are, I think the most amazing people on the planet. 
And that really spoke to me about who you are as an educator. And I've since heard from people who were, were your students that you are one of the most inspirational teachers. They're, they all say that you are the most inspirational teacher. Well, I want to get, I want to also want to help my students to be successful. And the thing that I've been you know, asking a lot of people about some of the formats, I mean, every kind of formats being used out there uh, from, you know, I think fairly good formats, really dreadful ones. And one of the questions that came up yesterday uh, uh, was a boy that uh, uh, sensory, a lot of sensory issues need to take breaks. And with this synchronous online classroom, he couldn't do it. And what I asked him is, well, when he was in the real school live, what did they do for the breaks? Yeah. Yeah. And, and maybe that's the way to, to deal with it is to try yes. to, it, I mean, that seemed to me the sensible thing to do. Now, if all the lectures are recorded, then you take breaks because you can then play it back. Uh, what I'm hearing and talking to families out there, there's some autistic kids doing just fine with the online stuff and there's some that's horrible. I've read that maybe 20 or 30% of all students are just kind of uh, skipping school. Yeah. You know, I've just heard the full range. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's different in every, I think it's for each and different for each individual, but it's also different in the way each school is. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Is, oh, I've talked to a lot of people about it. Each school is so different. But I, I hope that educators are looking to see who's doing what and what's working. I would really love to see a meeting of the minds. I would be willing to offer Autism Live as a platform if there are teachers who are making it work for special ed kids out there and they would like to make you know a free webinar for people to say, here's what I'm doing and here's how it's, I would give it a home here at Autism Live. Well, and there's uh, some that are just doing nothing and they just put the regular yeah. classes up on sync, what they call synchronous. Yeah. And that like my livestock class, I do the, uh, the discussion synchronous in the actual period we do it live. And then we have chat boards that's asynchronous. And well, then the and lecture watching is what they call asynchronous where it's uh, outside the actual class time. So what we're right. trying to do is a hybrid model. Um, but, you know, they're having some problems like they're doing a live um, freshman biology lab. But, you know, how to teach someone to use a microscope, you have to lean over them. So now they're not allowed to do that. So how do you teach them how to use the microscope? You run into problems like that. It's really difficult. Well, I, I know a lot of teachers that teach theater and acting Temple. Yeah. And that's been really interesting doing it online because usually you're there and interacting and teaching people how to connect it face to face. And it's a much different thing on Zoom. As well, you know. that's the thing. And I, I was looking around on on the internet, some of the news and stuff. And I was some famous singer. I don't, I don't remember names very well, but he was saying, well, how was he handling all his concerts are canceled? Well, he said, I did the first drive-in concert and he <laughs> said he's writing songs and he's doing a lot of little concerts. There you go. Because you've got to do something to get out of the house. Yeah. I've got a few little things I can go out in the farm and do. I've got a couple of little construction projects I can drive to and I have to be very careful. And you know, and I plan those out. I've got to have some stuff to do. Yeah, you told me, can I tell on you a little bit? You told me that you did a really fun activity uh, out in the field. Uh, can I tell them what you said you did? Well, I flew a kite out in the field. It's one thing I did. Love I love, that's what I was talking about. I love that. Uh, well, you know, got to so find these things you can do. You can, one thing that's happened here, and now the weather's starting to get cold, is everybody was going tubing out on the river. You know, getting oh. tubes and big plastic things to float down the river. And that's been real safe. I haven't heard anybody getting sick at the doing that. 
I've been watching a lot of the stuff on lo- where are people getting sick? Uh, yeah. Big parties. That's yeah. where they're getting sick, big gatherings. And uh, where the colleges, our college is open right now. They're just testing everybody. And and uh, where the colleges have had to close, I'd say half the time it's been fraternities. Yeah. Had a big party uh, and it shut them down. Uh, wow. Meatpacking plants, they got them cleaned up. I talked to one person that, that was working with that that actually did some of the contact tracing. They got their plant completely cleaned up. And then some of the employees at a gigantic party and brought it back in. Oh, no. And that oh, no. happened that happened in August. Wow. After they'd managed to get the place cleaned up. Wow. Well, I want to see what's on your mug. I always love what you have. What 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 logo is on your mug, uh, Tom? Oh, that's a Brazilian. Uh, it's a Brazilian animal welfare. Oh, very cool. That's very what's cool. on my mug. I picked that up at an animal welfare conference in Brazil. I've done a lot of uh, conferences with Brazil. We've done some very good ones on Zoom with um, with uh, simultaneous translation that worked really well. And then one of them worked really well. And then uh, we did another one and the whole thing crashed. Uh, everything went down in Brazil. So two hours later, they had me on something called streamyard.com. Yes, I've and, done that. And we had to do uh, side-by-side translation. Wow. And that, now you've and, traveled all over the world, Temple. Is there any place that you haven't been to that you're just well, like- Well, there's some places I've been. I've been in a bunch of countries. I've been Central America, South America, Mexico, every state in the US, all of Western Europe, Australia, China, Thailand, um, uh, Eastern Europe, I've only been in one country. Haven't been to Russia, uh, okay. but I've been to a lot of places. Where do you want to go that you haven't been though? Well, I don't know. It's hard to say. Australia, I really like going there, but right now all the international travel shut down. I haven't traveled yeah. since March 12th. Everything shut down. They just canceled our big, huge Denver stock show. Oh, yeah. I'm sure that's, that's hard. That just happened. Oh, wow. Uh, all right. Well, should we jump into some of these questions that uh, folks have written in? Okay. So first question, what's your opinion on self-disclosure in a work environment? That's a real loaded question. I just talked to a guy who had had a very successful job. I think I'll leave out what the job is. Very successful, somewhat technical job. Had been with him for five years, very successfully, disclosed, got ostracized and ended up leaving. And this just happened. Wow. This is now. That's disheartening. And I recommended this guy, uh, that did not disclose. Uh, actually, in my own career, I never disclosed. I would really? tell them, to think, no, never did. Uh, if, if they know about the movie, fine. If they don't, and really? I really, no, nope, I never disclosed. And when I started out in the early 70s, being a woman was a much bigger barrier than autism ever was in the cattle industry in the 70s. And I would just say things like, I'm terrible at multitasking. Okay, that's disclosing something, that's something very specific. Or I need a pilot's checklist to know how to operate this machine. That kind of stuff I would disclose. And I said, you know, I've got to make myself a pilot's checklist of the steps because I've got rotten working memory. That kind of stuff I'll disclose. Very sad case. Very competent guy. Really mild end of the autism spectrum. Um, And he lost his job. And this was right now. Wow. Within the last month. I talk. That is so disappointing. But it's so very, basically, very disappointing. So what can I say to this guy? 
Yeah. And he's one where he doesn't need to disclose. Right. You right. see, now you got more, you know, ones that you have to, but, uh, but even in my own stuff, I mean, I'm sitting on an airplane with somebody I don't disclose. Yeah. If they know about the movie, fine. I talk about it. Right. But even, so before the movie, so when you went to work at your college, you didn't disclose to them, you didn't well, tell the them? Well, the college knew. Okay. They, um, uh, they knew. But you take my regular clients, I mean, my, see, the way I did an interview is I just sold the work. There's that scene yeah. in the movie with the drawings on the desk. An interview for me, in the first minute, I had the drawings out. Yeah. Laying on the desk, of pictures of jobs, my brochure, and I've got some of my drawings right here. I just, what I learned to do is to just sell the work. There's some of my drawings. And Gorgeous. I would just um, put those on the desk. And oh, I had a, some trade magazine articles, things like that. Just lay the work out. Yeah. That's well, you've always, been a, you've always been a big fan of having a, a portfolio and now having Absolutely. a virtual And In other words, you, you, you sell your work. But unfortunately, there's been some really bad cases of discrimination. Military, don't disclose. Okay. And there's a lot of people in the military that I know are on the spectrum. I have talked to them. They've come to autism conferences. Well, then let me ask you this, because my son is getting ready. He's uh, doing his college applications starting right now. Um, do you recommend that students uh, disclose as they're applying to higher education? I think it kind of depends upon what kind of accommodations they need. But five years ago, we had another case where a guy was going to get his pilot's license, and he made the mistake of disclosing to the FFA the, uh, a physician for his physical and he was did not get a pilot's license yeah and i don't uh, that's wrong but that i'm just telling you stuff that's happened that where people have reported right to me that was five years ago wow and and uh, if you're on the mile i you know for me i learned what kind of things i need to do my job successfully like when i'm doing a team uh, writing we're doing some animal welfare guidelines I like, I just say to them, I like homework. I'll do this part of the document, this format, get it done on this date. In other That's words, well-defined what my bid is. And then right. do my bit and don't criticize the others. Though I have been known to correct technical errors and not use any word changes things. And they were technical errors. There are some things, animal welfare guidelines, where it's a matter of opinion, but these were just technical errors. It was just wrong. So I just corrected I'll bet you're a dream to work with. That's why I bet say. It. But it's, um, um, this was really disheartening, this guy that I just talked to. Uh, technical type of job he had, very good, five years he'd been there. Wow. And and uh, the boss just told the other guys to shun him. Wow. And this just happened. And I'm, and I- uh, get him a lawyer? I, that sounds I like- was, I told him to walk away. This yeah. guy doesn't need to disclose. Yeah. And, and the thing is, you can disclose some particular thing you need, like I'm terrible at multitasking. Right. I need a pilot's okay. checklist. I like well-defined what my job role is. Great. See, that's, stuff, right. that's disclosing some specific need you need. But not a diagnosis. Well, it's, it's uh, disheartening. No, it's terrible, but that just uh, happened. And but it is terrible. It, uh, and I, I think everybody appreciates your, your candor and your I'm honesty. just telling, they come to me. Yeah. They come yeah. to me, I don't go hunting for these things. They come up to right. me. Exactly. I'm going to move on to this other question because uh, I'm interested to hear what your answer is. What is your greatest advice to help grandparents who are overly critical and hard to believe what parents tell them? 
I'm a consultant and this is one of my first questions. And what do you recommend to them? We have a lot of grandparents. Well, I got to find out what the grandparents critical of. See, one of the things on a lot of things, I don't get enough detail. Teachers are said, well, how do I work with autistic kids in the classroom? I don't even know what the age is. What is the problem? Okay, some of the common problems, sensory issues, multitasking. One of the things that the problem with a lot of learning differences is you got a small processor. I can tell you. Go ahead. But I can tell you, uh, Dr. Grannon, that for a lot of what, because I get a lot of these comments from parents, that the grandparents doubt the diagnosis and they say, that child doesn't have autism. You just need to parent them better. They need to have their butt paddled when they do something wrong. And they feel like there aren't enough consequences that are negative well, for the, the kids. Thing is, so, you know, like for me, there were very clear rules. Tantrums at school were no uh, TV for one night. That was very clear. Then another one that I talked to was a guy, a computer programmer, making a ton of money, doing a little bit of fraud stuff with money. Hmm. And is autism an excuse for that? No, it's not. I was brought up with very strict, um, uh, you know, like you don't cheat at games. That was taught to me at a very young age. I didn't see grownups behaving bad on TV. I didn't see grownups sitting around the tax forms laughing about cheating mm-hmm. and stuff. I was never ever exposed to that. Mm-hmm. But since it's rule-based, you get someone that this, he was gonna play the autism card that he could get out of some serious financial fraud he'd done because he's autistic, no. So for parents, for, for grandparents who, let's say that the child is diagnosed and the grandparent says, I just don't think they have autism. All right, first of all, I wanna find out, I wanna be more specific. What behavior do the grandparents object to? Let's get more specific. What is the behavior? And then how can we deal with the behavior? Well, I can think of one is instance he- recently where okay. I, I consulted with a family and the little boy who was like six or seven years old he just wasn't very compliant. So, with with, so for instance, um, you know, grandma would say to him, he would say to grandma, I'm going to have a snack right now. And grandma would say, no, it's not time for a snack. And the child would say, I'm going to go make the snack. And he would start to now, go make the What the, the grandmother snack. needs to say, first of all, I want to get rid of saying no. What you want to say, instead of saying no, we have our snacks at three o'clock. Give ah. the instruction instead of saying no. There you go. So yeah, don't even get the old fashioned fifties parenting. That's what I had. So don't even get into the conversation about autism, you know, I, and trying to prove like deal with the behavior and you're there you go. say, our family has our snacks at three o'clock. Give the instruction. That's what we do in our family. We'll have a snack in the mid afternoon or a snack in the mid morning and you know, whatever it is, but get it on a schedule and you just give the instruction. So let's just look at the behavior they're dealing with. Now, you sometimes will have kids where they'll have a meltdown due to sensory sensitivity. Mm-hmm. And, but, but the, and then that, one of the ways to handle that is the noisy thing the kid hates. It could be the, I saw a kid just the other day, a little electric battery operated leaf blower. That'd be something a lot of uh, kids with autism would hate. There's a little battery operated one. So it would have been safe for them to use. And you let them turn it on and off or the vacuum cleaner or the hairdryer, whatever the noisy thing is, let the kid control it. I like that. And I looked at this little leaf blower and I'm going, oh, we're gonna let, it, it was battery operated, so it was safe. Yeah. And, and, uh, and the kid can turn it on and off. 
and control it. So they can take as much as they want to take. And well, then that's right. That's really important. And that can sometimes help with, you know, specific noisy things. There was one boy that was terrified of the scoreboard buzzer in the gym. And they took him down to the gym and they let him press the button and he started making tunes on it. Oh, now that's, that's something you see. But the thing is, I want to find out what behavior granny doesn't like and then try to yeah. deal with it. Yeah. Well, I think that that's, that's wonderful. Uh, okay, so I'm going to move on to this next question, autism and ADHD. I find it incredibly difficult to address the autism in a child when the ADHD makes focusing so very difficult for them to respond to behavior therapies. Any suggestions? All right, well, first of all, ADHD and autism on the social front overlap 30%, both in genetics and in brain scans, especially one on social stuff. Okay, so let's just look at the task. You see, I have to get very specific so I can visualize. All right, what is it? What are they trying to teach you? What, what are they trying to teach you? What, how old is the kid? And I don't know for this see, particular I gotta have kid, more information. Yeah, so but let's say- I can visualize yeah. something we could do. So let's, let's say that it's a seven-year-old because a lot of parents are having a problem right now with the distance learning because of the ADHD sort of behaviors where- Some of these like, kids are gonna have to have some breaks. Yeah. They're just going to. And you, maybe if the class is synchronous, maybe you're going to have to record it yourself. Uh, yeah. They're going to have to have some breaks. The other thing is a lot of these kids aren't getting enough exercise. Mother used to say, go outside and run the energy out of you. And they've got to get more exercise. And some of them are going to need breaks. That's what and, you've got to do. And I love that. Uh, you know, we've been talking a lot about, you've said before that you need a burst of activity um, and that that helps you to regulate yourselves. And I've been saying that over and over and over again, because I, I, I've noticed that with all of us with COVID, um, we had to buy a treadmill in our house. Um, we bought a treadmill and we stuck it in the middle of the living, living room because I think we were all having a hard time. We just weren't, I didn't really, I'm not a big exercise person, but during a normal day- do it. And I think yeah. you're better off to set the treadmill kind of steep and kind of hard and do a burst of exercise, but you've got to work up to this. I don't want anybody having a heart yes. attack here. Oh, no, no, no. I worked, no, no. it took me six months to get up to a hundred sit-ups. hundred sit-ups. All right, I'm going to work on that. And, um, you know, and if you set the machine stiff so it's hard to do it, and maybe I'm yeah. quite a bit of a slant, uh, you're going to work up to doing 10 minutes of hard exercise. But I do a very little hard burst, which really makes you sweat makes you strain, but you have to work up to it. I don't want somebody keeling over doing this. Yeah, no, 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 no. But I think it, what I noticed for all three of us in our household is that once we started doing the treadmill, everything else became a little bit easier. That's and right. I, because you could regulate a little bit easier. And you put the treadmill in the middle of the living room, so you're going to have to, everybody has to exactly. use it. And we, we watch, sometimes TV is on while we're doing That's it. That's fine. So that, you know, but, um, but yes, that's what we have done. And I know other families that have said, okay, we're not having a lawn, we're putting a trampoline in. Or, you know, or, but everybody has to find something that they can do physical. And I think it's just so important, as you said, for our kiddos that are spending so much time, screen time now. Well, they've got to get exercise and see, and now treadmill's a machine that everybody can use. Mm -hmm. And and you put in the middle of the living room and then you know whether everybody is used it enough. That's right, we're keeping, and, and I am very, very proud to say, we. St I think we started at five minutes, Temple, and, and we're up to 17 minutes now, Yeah, a and day. That, we're doing and we're that, probably, you know, that probably is enough. I mean, there's a point where you don't have to overdo it, but 
you know, if you did that hard every day, um, and because then you probably, because I find that the burst of exercise worked better than you know, all the airport walking that I did. Yeah. Because that didn't make airport walking I used to do. I haven't been in an airport since March 12th. Right. right. Uh, but the airport walking didn't make me sweat and huff and puff and sweat. And, and I actually added up um, how far I walked in the Denver airport. And it was a long ways, but that just didn't do it. I do walking now for back pain. Oh, there you go. But I need that burst of hard exercise for the other things. And we got you got to get the kids doing this. I think yeah. my treadmill in the middle of the living room is a real good idea. There you go. I'm then glad you, you know everybody it. using it. We didn't. Uh, we were going to take it upstairs, but it came and it was too heavy. We couldn't, we couldn't carry it upstairs, Temple. So we, it's sitting in the living room. But it, it's not gathering dust. Let me tell you. Well, good. Uh, not used as a clothes rack. That, no, no clothes on that. Oh, it's used good. every single day. Okay, new question. Temple, how do we know what kind of thinkers our kids are? I have three children all in the spectrum. My oldest is 10. He does not like drawing or writing, loves video games, doesn't like math or reading, loves science projects. My middle son is almost five and he loves both puzzles and building things and working on things, even video games. Also likes to color to draw. Then my daughter, who is almost four, she loves to color and write and loves sensory plays such as Play-Doh and several types of slime. All right. First of all, in the real little kids, it's going to be difficult to tell. It didn't okay. show up uh, with me until I was like second, third grade, seven or eight years old. And that's when my ability in art showed up. Or you'll get a kid that's ability in math will show up. And then you need to give them harder math. If you think you've got a math kit, introduce computer programming. And then show them really cool stuff, like the touch screens on the Dragon spacecraft that just went up to the space station, SpaceX. Those run on JavaScript, the same program that you, that, that's for a Minecraft. Uh, writing kids often love facts, they like history and facts. And, and um, these, these things, if kids get exposed to enough stuff, then you'll see it. I'm seeing kids that are really good with Legos and nobody thought to introduce tools. Mm. And if they're good at Legos, you need to introduce tools by second and third grade and learn how to use a screwdriver and hammer, pliers. These are things I was using as a really young child. Um, you know, then maybe a little later, a small electric cordless battery operated drill um, and a handsaw, all hand tools, of course, and except maybe the electric drill. And you one of the one of the most favorite things I ever got. And you teach them how to use them safely, and and because there's a lot of visual thinkers like me, where skilled trades a perfect place for us to go. I guarantee you, it's essential work. We'll have jobs forever. We will have jobs forever. And the math kids, uh, some of the way they're teaching math now is really weird. Uh, you want to find out you have a math kid, get some old-fashioned algebra books and geometry books, and let the kid have them and see what he does with them. You see, they can't show the skill if they're not exposed. Very good. That, what that's I, the thing. Somebody gave me a million years ago, they gave me a lady toolkit. And in it was a crank drill. Oh, yes. And I, to, the, to this day, I use that thing. I have a cordless drill that's, you know, a bad, but then I got to charge it. And I don't, I, you know, I can well, never find. Well, a crank drill looks like an egg beater. Egg oh, beater drill. Yeah. 
and I use it still all the time because if I just need to drill a little hole, like, and I and I always think about what a great thing for a, a mechanical kid before the cordless. But those today. are the kind of things that when I was a little, fairly little kid, I'm like fourth grade, I was using one of those cranker, you know, egg beater drill. Yeah, but I love these it. Are things that that um, I'm, but if kids aren't exposed to tools, how are they going to find out whether they love them or hate them? Yeah. And well, and if you don't expose a kid to art stuff. And then you've got, or math kids, usually they just take right off of the math, but some of this math, the way they're teaching it, I looked it up online. I looked up first, second, third grade common core math. I'm going, you gotta be joking. Let's just get some old fashioned math. Then you, and then go up in the attic and find the old geometry books and the old algebra books. And if you've got a math kid, they'll take off. You'll either be an algebra kid or a geometry kid. And I am definitely not, was not the math kid. Algebra. I've never passed an algebra class. I managed to get out of it. But what you need for a skilled trade is the old-fashioned. I'm going to say old-fashioned up through sixth grade math is what you need for a skilled trade. You don't need any more than that. Things like find the volume of a cylinder, area of a circle, uh, measure a room, uh, some angles for roofs. Yeah, I, I. That sounds like the seventh ring of hell to me because I'm definitely not a math kid. But, but you've uh, always been a big fan of, because you turned me on to it, Khan Academy. Um, oh, yeah, Khan Academy. There's all kinds of great stuff. Khan Academy, uh, then for programming, code.org. Then if you want to turn on the kids that love patterns, you can look up fractals online. And you mm -hmm. go on to Google Images and look up protein symmetry. Protein symmetry. You will find patterns that are inside your body that look like cathedral windows. I, I think that one of the most amazing things was when my son learned how to, as he calls, search it up. We'll be talking about something and he'll go, well, let me search it up. And when he learned how to Google things for himself, I couldn't believe the things that he would Google and that he would discover and that he would learn about. It was fascinating. And it well, occurred to I, me that I, I don't know that all kids know how to do that. Well, I'm finding, I have a, a called my internet project in my class and they've got to pick out a question in animal behavior that interests them mm -hmm. um, and then they have to look up eight scientific journal articles on four different databases and what I'm finding in that is for some students it's a really easy assignment about a third of the students don't even know how to do it and the other thing they don't know how to do is how do you summarize so I've got eight articles about um, um, you know, some question, how do bees navigate? Let's say that was the thing we look up. Well, tell me in a half page of single space type, how do bees navigate? After you've read these papers, you ought to know. Yeah. Yeah, how do you and summarize? Because we got a lot of kids getting through into college now, they've never done a book report. Yeah. So they've never learned, how do you summarize something? It's true. Uh, it's absolutely true. Something to think about. Hey, uh, have you got your book there, Calling All Minds? Is that what I see behind yeah, you? Yeah, that's Calling All Minds. This is my, my kid's project book right here, Calling All Minds. And it's got simple projects like paper airplanes and snowflakes. And when I did a book signing for this book, I found that about 30% uh, of kids in Colorado had never made a paper airplane. Mm, that's... You know, we've got to, if people ask me, what's the thing you would do with education? Well, I want to put all the hands-on stuff back in. And that includes theater, which has been really messed up with COVID. Because for yeah. some kids, that's the kind of career they ought to go into. Also on the different kinds of minds, my book, The Autistic Brain, is where I've got the science. 
for the different kinds of minds. And I've since looked up more science since that book was published. And uh, you have people that are the object visualizer like me who think in pictures. And then you have the visual spatial person who thinks in patterns mm -hmm. and where things are located in space. And there's more science that supports that. That's fascinating to and me. And when you look at who builds a big factory like a poultry processing plant, the more mathematical engineers, they'll do the boilers, the refrigeration, framework of the building, soil compaction. And then what I call the clever engineering department, that's the visual thinkers, make all the clever equipment that's inside. Mm -hmm. And we are actually losing skills. I went to a brand new state-of-the-art poultry plant last year. The equipment was shipped over here in 100 shipping containers from Holland. And it goes back to skilled trades being taken out of the schools. And fortunately, I know in, in Texas, they're starting to put it back in. But we got to get all the hands-on stuff back in the schools. Someone said to and, me, what would you do with education? That's going to be one of the things I, I would do. And don't you think that in this crazy mixed up world where there's all this distance learning, there's so much stuff that people have to do in this flat format here. It seems like to me that this is the opportunity that every minute that isn't this, this Zoom call kind of thing should be hands-on. Should Well, be people at a Home Depot's been you know, really doing well, home improvement, gardening, people are doing that kind of stuff. You know, really but we get, need to get our kids involved in that. We got to get the kids involved in this stuff. They got to help build this stuff. Yeah. Kids can get involved. Even little kids can like carry tools or pick up some little thing. Get them involved in it. There we go. Uh, okay. Dr. Temple, my son is six years old and on the spectrum. He is good at many things like music. He helps. Uh, he plays any instrument, any song once he sees it to play it and reads so well and paints so good with tiny details uh, and loves to play by himself for hours on the iPad. Um, all the time, new stuff while playing. He never responds unless we shout out loud. We got his ears tested, all good. How can I make him listen and respond? I appreciate your help. Well, how much time is he spending on the iPad kind of zoning out? I might want to cut that down. The other thing he needs to learn is to play music that other people want sometimes. Like when I was about his age, I would draw the same horse head over and over again. And mother said, well, let's draw the entire horse, draw it stable. In other words, take that thing and broaden it uh, and then get him to play different kinds of music. And then, and then now of course, churches are shut down with COVID because that's a perfect place to do volunteer jobs or do little music gigs at parties, which is something we can't do now because you, saw, you also want to start teaching work skills and he needs to learn how to, well, sometimes you do music for yourself, but you sometimes also do music for other people. So you got yeah. to learn to play more different stuff and, and some kids are very musical. Now this brings up another thing. How do you find out if the kid has music talent? Well, if you don't expose them to instruments, how are you going to find out? Yeah, we loved uh, before COVID many years ago um, here locally in Pasadena, there was an organization that would have a musical petting zoo. And what mm -hmm. that was, each member of their orchestra would come and bring an array of instruments and they had all these cleaning things that were there and a child could go through and say, I wanna try the tuba. And they could play the tuba and then they would clean it all down and the next child could play the tuba, but then you could walk over but and play the But that's the violin. kind of stuff that we, we gotta get, see kids have gotta get exposed to find out a tuba's exactly. cool. You're not exposed exactly. to it. Yeah, you, you see that a lot of these things, how do you get kids interested in stuff? 
if they don't get exposed. You know, the thing I have had in some of my slides, I said, well, what happened to Michelangelo the other day? Sixth grade dropout. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, but he was exposed to art because all the churches were commissioning all this art. And then he, he was raised by stonecutters. So he was exposed to the tools, at least some of the tools he would have used. And if he hadn't had that exposure, he wouldn't have done it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so exposure. So, well, so throwing exposed and and um, you know, his father wanted him to be, you know, do legal documents in Latin. He's going, Ugh, I don't want to do that. But every it, there was a time where every church had these big art projects going on. So little Mikey'd go over there and look at the church at the art projects. And if they hadn't been doing those art projects, he wouldn't have been exposed. No. I want to say that a lot of people are writing in on the different platforms that you can write in. I should have said this in the beginning. You could be writing in on Facebook. You can okay. be writing in on YouTube. And a lot of people are writing in. They're saying happy birthday to, to oh, both of us. Thank you very people. much. And um, they're, they're, they're saying they're writing in from different places. We have people who are watching us and in the evening in Norway. We have folks oh, watching. How many people in other countries do you have? Well, I, I can't tell from, can't tell. from this. I can just tell which cities but and countries. So somebody's watching in Norway. Somebody's watching from Lithuania. Oh, cool. Um, so um, I'm just scrolling through and seeing different places here. Uh, okay. So I just wanted to give a shout out to those folks. I want to get to the next question here. Uh, what's the best way to teach your nonverbal child how to let someone know they're in pain? Now, that can be, that can be hard. Um, um, point to the part of the body that's hurting. The other thing you've got to rule out, if you all of a sudden have a behavior problem in an individual's nonverbal, the first thing you've got to do is rule out a hidden painful medical problem. And one of the big ones is acid reflux. You know, if he's grabbing a stomach, you know, or, you know, poking at some part of his body he never poked at before, well, then maybe you better have the ear looked at. Or it might have a bad tooth. Um, it did you always have got to rule that out if there's a sudden change in behavior uh, that you know, where he was normally good and now the behavior is just horrible. Maybe he's got a hidden a pain he can't tell you about. So I check out some of the common ones: uh, earache, teeth, sinus infection, acid reflux, constipation, yeast infections. Those are easy ones to rule out. One of the things that really helped me that I just, because uh, my child had been speaking and then he lost language. And when he lost language, it was so devastating to me that I didn't realize it, but I had stopped language everything for him like you do for a kid that's developing typically. And so when we started therapy, they started saying to me that I should language everything that's happening. Like when, if he's shivering, I should say, oh, you're cold. Well, then um, you learn the word for cold. Exactly. That's how you learn. Or, or, oh, you know, if he'd be crying about something, I'd say, oh, you know, you're crying, you're sad, or, oh, you're, you know, right now you're frustrated, or, you know, to just label whatever was happening, or if he got it, I remember once he got his finger pinched in a doorway, and, and, and I said, oh, it hurts, your finger Then you learn hurts. the word for hurt and pain, because yes. you exactly. know it got pinched hard enough in a doorway to hurt, so yeah. then that's where you teach the word hurt and pain. And sometimes then he would use it in inappropriate moments like, um, you know, uh, so that it, what didn't totally make sense, but that I could figure it out. So, you know, he would point to and say, I hurts, but then I could figure out he's got a headache. 
Yeah. You know, that that's what's happening. So it took, I had to sleuth a little bit, but it, I had given him some words by languaging it. So just want to throw that yeah, out. Yeah, that's what you've got to do. And then some nonverbals can learn to type independently, people that remain nonverbal. And some really good books are Tito Makapadehe, How Can I Talk If My Lips Don't Move? How Can I Talk If My Lips Don't Move? He describes a sensory disordered world. Uh, Noki, the Japanese boy from Japan, he has The Reason I Jump, but the sequel to The Reason I Jump is a better book because he's older. And yeah. he describes um, can't, not able to control his movements and he's like a broken robot. Uh, if you're working with older nonverbal individuals, these books are must-reads. And, the second book and they is type completely independently. Nobody's touching them. The the second book is Fall Down Seven Times. That's right. I can never remember yeah. those numbers. I but know, me too. He's an old, he's older, and that's actually a more helpful book, I think, than the first one. And I think therapists and parents, nonverbal individuals should read that. But you you it's okay to hold their wrist to get them started. But the only way you can be sure who the author is is if once you get them trained, you're not touching them and you're not touching the thing they type on, whether it's a piece of cardboard or it's a keyboard. Because I've seen people take the thing they type on and then moving it around like this. Well, that's cueing. Yeah. No, the, the and, thing they type on has to be on a desk and not touched. Exactly. And it's if, when you're teaching someone to do it, cueing is okay. It's but okay I think, to cue when you're teaching, that's fine. Yes, that's yes, fine. But, but, but I think the difficulty. Down, well, when I first met Tito, he typed, I'd ask him a question, he types super fast and and jumps up and then he runs around and has to flap some to calm down. He can do like three questions. And he I asked him at a conference over a video what it was like before he had typing, and he said emptiness. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and so we got to and then there's Carly's voice and her speech therapist almost deleted the typing app off the, off the thing. And, and the other thing is just try a tablet with the text messaging, put it in airplane mode so they can't send them. Yeah. I was at a, at a meeting with a, in a, for a big corporation and I had dinner with a guy who signed. I don't know how to, I don't understand sign language. So um, we, took my phone and we just passed it back and forth with texts. We didn't send them. We yeah. just passed them back and forth. Uh, and that's how we communicated. Yeah, I, I have a friend um, who, a young man who is on the spectrum and he has maybe 10 words. And, and he's such a delight, wherever he goes, he's such a delight. And, and you know, you can communicate with him with the 10 words. But then I was someplace recently and his dad said, have you ever read his text? And I said, he texts and his dad showed me the text that he will send his mom and his dad every day. And I burst into tears temple. There were all these things that he was texting and writing about that I, I had no idea that he had that much. Well, the thing is, is that we need to, the, you know, the typing stuff. And was he just doing that on a phone? Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, yeah. yeah. And I recommend the iPad or some kind of tablet because it's bigger, it's easier, but you see the reason why tablets work and desktops and laptops don't work is because when you type on a phone or you type on a tablet the print appears next to the virtual keyboard if i mm -hmm. pull out my keyboard here i look down at this you have to do this yes and they cannot make the attention shift ah. and it cannot make the attention shift years ago there was a teacher 
that took a box and put it on, on the desk and put the keyboard way up here so that when they typed, the print appeared right next to the keyboard. Wow. And that solved know. the problem. But they see, see, laptops don't work very well either because you have to look up and they can't do that. They've got to see when they press the button, the letter appears and they can see it without an attention shift. And that's why a tablet usually is, is bigger too. And, you know, you can find tablets around. You don't have to buy them. I have a student that um, um, she didn't have a computer. And I said, you need to adopt a computer. There's lots of computers laying around in closets waiting to be adopted. And she adopted some clunker. It works <laughs> for what she needs it for. And yes. its price was free. It's yeah. a bit clunky, but it works. And it has a CD player, which... I actually wish they'd never taken those out of the computers. Me too. But I, I, I want to say too, that there are many charities out there that when you are getting rid of your smartphone, cause you're upgrading or you're getting rid of a, you know, an iPad or there's another. Tons of them. There's all they, kinds of electronics around and they, they have will, the right they take the donation. Free. And she yeah. found a, a laptop within one day. Yeah. She yeah. had a laptop the next day. Yes, it was well, a big, I want, heavy one, but it it works. Worked. What she and needs. I want parents to know, I want everybody to know that if you, instead of throwing away those electronics, donate them. And there are charities that, that will refurbish those and give those to individuals on the spectrum as a way of communicating. So, and then you get a tax write-off that's more than if you threw it away. So, or turned it back in. So if well, you have yeah, a device. They, they, um, no, but they, the amount of electronic stuff that's wasted. Yeah, and, we don't want to do that. And, uh, but there's it, but Carly, her almost deleted yeah. the texting part of her keyboard thing. Cause I don't That's know if people she did know. Carly had shown no signs of being verbal, no receptive. No, and then when she was 13, she took the caregiver's uh, computer and typed in the words, uh, my teeth hurt, something like my teeth hurt, help me. And you're telling me that they almost deleted that? They almost deleted the, the typing part of it. Ooh. Yep, that's in the book. Well, yeah. now she's so, she types all the time. She writes, uh, she's an amazing advocate. Well, on that, and that um, one of the things that Carly talks about is when there's any noise in the environment, huge concentrations required to keep concentrating on her typing, controlled movements. Yeah. Um, and... And, and some of these people almost have like a locked-in syndrome. But then I've, I've also reading. seen ones where the mom's holding a piece of cardboard that's got the QWERTY keyboard on it, and she's yeah. moving it around. Well, that's yeah. killing. Can't yeah. Uh, and it's important to acknowledge that. Uh, somebody wants okay to know- okay for doing for some training to do that. Yes. You touch them yes. for training. But to really prove who the author is, cannot touch yes. the person or the whatever it is they type on. Absolutely. Somebody wants to know if you still have your uh, squeeze machine, does it really work? And if so, do you take appointments? Well, I broke 10 years ago and I haven't used it, but there's a lot of um, other things you can do, weighted blankets, weighted vests. Um, some people uh, uh, really benefit from deep pressure. And the idea for the thunder shirt for dogs came from the squeeze machine. Uh, deep pressure really works for some people. Yeah. And so I'm curious. So yours broke 10 years ago, but you, you have not needed it. Then no, if you I, haven't, uh, it. You know, I got, 
You see, one thing the squeeze, squeeze machine did for me is desensitized to having people touch me because I controlled the squeeze machine. See, that gets back to the same thing as the noise, maybe the leaf blower or the vacuum cleaner. Yeah. Uh, okay, somebody wants to know what evaluation tools are best for determining if girls are on the autism spectrum? This is a big controversy right now. The people are saying that the criteria for diagnosing often will leave girls out of getting a diagnosis. Well, girls are kind of, one thing is girls' brains aren't as lateralized as males. In other words, the corpus callosum is bigger. And one thing is known in stroke research that um, uh, they can recover from strokes more easily because the two halves of the brain have got a bigger communication. And, but where girls really get in trouble is abusive relationships. They so much want to, you know, be social. They get in a lot of prob problems with that. Now, I would, when I was a little kid, I was nonverbal. So that's obvious. Okay, because I was nonverbal to age four. I had obvious autistic symptoms, but you've got other girls where they'd be the type that has no speech delay, socially awkward. And, and the other thing that's concerning me now is I think we're getting too much medical model. You know, how do we help someone be successful? Because I got all these grandparents that come up to me who find out they have autism when the kids get diagnosed. I'm seeing this happen all the time. And granddaddy's got a good job. Part of it is I think social rules are taught much more structured in my generation. Also work skills. That grandparent had a job at age 11, delivering papers or, you know, we need to be teaching the work skills. And, and one of the great things was uh, like church volunteer jobs. You've got to learn how to do a task outside the family on a schedule. That's something you've got to learn how to do. And the kids, it's good with the music. He needs to learn how to do requests. You see, that's learning a work skill. Yeah, wonderful. Uh, I have a 21-year-old son diagnosed moderate to severe when he was two and a half years old. All the perseverative uh, behaviors, circles, talking to himself. We did detox, chelation, play therapy, ABA. He mainstreamed fully in sixth grade, graduated high school with a 3.9, including honors classes, now a junior in college, enjoying getting to be totally online this semester because he really wants friends, that social connection. But even with getting into the top jazz choir, because he has perfect pitch, uh, rushing and being offered three fraternities, choose one, uh, and even accepted into a music fraternity, still couldn't make any connections. He is totally enjoying his second, uh, his junior year remotely living at home. His autism services director said that this is difficult because most kids on the spectrum are happy alone. Well, it sounds like he's not. doing pretty good. So what's his problem? The problem is, is that he wants to connect, that he's having troubles connecting and they want to know if you have any thoughts. And, the, and what do you mean by connecting? He wants friends. He wants so to be he's able not to getting any friends because usually when you're in this many different things um, with shared interests, you get some friends who shared interests. But, but he's not. And she's saying he's in this, he's in the choir, he's in the fraternity. Well, but oftentimes you get friends uh, through those shared interests. Now you've got to, now sometimes uh, one thing I had to learn is I couldn't go on and on and on talking about the same carnival ride over and over again. People get sick of that. So you start to have to make some rules. Okay, why is he not got friends? I have a few more questions I got to ask because when I was his age, I did have friends who shared interests. And a couple of the people I was friends with were probably on the spectrum. 
but it, it was through shared interest. And he's doing shared interest things. They invited him into a music fraternity. And he might be kind of just going on and on and on talking about his favorite thing where other people get bored. And someone needs to just coach him that, okay, you talked about the bassoon like for two hours now, I'm just making something up and with an instrument and people getting bored with it. You see, I need more information to find out he's probably doing something like that that just totally turns off the other people. And I wonder if, if mom can be a little bit of a sleuth while he's home doing stuff online to see, because even in the Zoom, you can begin to see it's a little oh, bit sure. different. Yeah, and then is he just yakking on and on and on? Uh, now, one of the problems I have, and I still have it, is interrupting because I can't get the timing. There's a lot of problems that have to do with slow processor speed. Multitasking, timing, um, and, and uh, you know, see what he's doing wrong. You see, this is where I might just need some social coaching. Okay, you've talked too long about this musical instrument. Uh, let's get somebody else talking. What is he doing online? I'd watch him. Because uh, usually you. somebody that's doing that many things like that does get some friends. Yeah. And thank you for bringing up the interrupting thing, because a couple of people have written in and said that I've interrupted you several times, and I apologize. It is very hard to time in Zoom, uh, you know, and, and I, so interrupting is also my problem, and they're mad at me that I've interrupted you too many well, times. Well, and I've interrupted people just live because I can't get the timing. This is where the processor speed of my brain, if I was a computer, I'd be an Intel 286. You can look that up and see what that is. But I've got the cloud for memory. But a lot of the problems of things like interrupting, that's processor speed. And I still have a problem with that. So, are, but you said you have the cloud for memory. So does that well, mean you have a cloud would be tons of memory. Computer so, cloud, you, you know. so you have a lot of memory? I have a lot of memory, but I've got no working memory. Like if I had any task that involves more than three steps, I have to write them down. I have to make a checklist or I can't remember them. I cannot remember oh. long strings of verbal steps. So what are the things that you have, that you just remember everything from your childhood? What you oh, say- Oh, not you everything. Like I mean, it's like, I don't remember every hotel I've been in. I only remember really weird, really terrible. And I remember generic Hilton Garden Inn, sort of what, what they look like, because they're all the same. Generic <laughs> Fairfield Inn. I, I love that. Brands. <laughs> and then I remember this really awful hotel I stayed in that was so trendy, it was stupid. The lobby looked like a construction site. There's snap tie holes showing where they've taken the forms off. I'm going, oh, that's not cool. But the worst thing was the breakfast. They served it in pint ice cream containers. And then they just dumped the slimy poached egg on the top. <laughs> that's horrible. It was horrible. That's horrible. It, was, it was trying to be really trendy. And I go, really? <laughs> Young people are really gonna wanna eat breakfast out of ice cream containers? I don't know about that. Oh, Temple, I think you have a, a, a career as a, a travelogue reporter. Because uh, I, I would enjoy well, it. We are never staying here ever again. <laughs> <laughs> Temple. Oh, I love it. I love it. I, I want to put these into a series of books. There should be a book about all the hotels that you've stayed in and reviewing them. I know you have other better things to do with your time. Um, but the other thing that I wanted to say for, for people who have adults that are on the spectrum and are, and are wanting to work on socialization right now, the Ed Asner Family Center, every Saturday, 
has a, a movie chat group with a wonderful young uh, self-advocate, Chelsea Darnell. It's free. Anybody in the country can do it. Um, they tell you what the movie that they're going to watch uh, is on Monday and you have all week long to watch the movie. And then these uh, young adults on the spectrum get together 7 p.m. Pacific time free and it's a Zoom room and they talk about the movie. They don't watch the movie. They've already watched it before. They talk about the movie and then it leads to discussion and it's a facilitated um, group. And all you have to do is uh, go on Facebook go to the Ed Asner Family Center and you can get registered to do that. Cause I think that that's a great, and I think that there should be more things like that temple. Did your mom well, ever these have- these are kind of things that people just have to start. Like I started my career, one little tiny ranch job at a time. And the and you start out and you, uh, you're doing a Zoom room, then write about how you do it. Because what I did with my cattle handling is that I would do a project and then I wrote about it and I wrote about how to build it, how to make it. I did a lot of how to things. And writing's been a really important part of my career. Yeah. And this brings up, okay, in school, teaching, reading. I didn't read until third grade. I learned with phonics. Mother taught me. Another kid may learn whole word. Use the method that works. There you go. It's we're, almost, we're almost out of time. And I apologize. There's a million questions that came in today. Um, and, we, you know, we will bank those because I think, you know, we're trying to have you on at least once a month. And so we'll save those okay, for the next fine. time. Um, but I, since we only have two minutes left, I want to, because I'm always deeply interested in what you're watching on television and what movies you're watching. So what have you watched lately, Temple? What would you recommend? You know, I watched to? some of the, uh, the new Star Trek, the Picard Star Trek. I really liked that. Yeah. And I've been watching 60 Minutes. Boy, that's still the best show. They have yeah. a really interesting, uh, interesting segment on there, self-driving trucks. And yeah. they had some other extremely, they, they just, it's just a good show. I really like 60 Minutes. Okay. Anything else? Well, I haven't been watching much TV. I've been working on trying to get my, uh, uh, get my new book on thinking and pictures on the visual thinking. And one of the mm. things that I'll be writing about this is this loss of skill traits. I mean, this chicken plant, that's serious. We don't make elevators anymore, ski lifts. There's a whole bunch of stuff. And it goes back to taking skilled trades out of the schools because the, I'm gonna estimate that on my big projects working with major meat companies and some of them are right there in Texas, 20%, the welders, skilled trades, mechanics, um, machinery designers and drafting people were either autistic, ADHD or dyslexic, 20%. Mm. I am saying that seriously. These are yeah. projects I did mainly in the 80s and the 90s. Interesting. And I'm saying, not as a joke, I'm saying it seriously. And the problem is these kids don't get a chance to learn how to use tools. Yeah. Yeah. And we're right, using so some really important skills and I'm real concerned about it. So we need to make a move in that arena and make sure that, that our kids have the opportunity to learn those trades. But I also want to say that, I'm sorry to interrupt it, but I know it's no, no, running out of time. But I also <laughs> want to say that skill trades aren't for everybody. The visual That's thinkers true. like me would be prime candidates. The math kids, they're going to want to go more electrical engineering, computers, that sort of engineering, structural engineering, stuff like that. And then you got the word kids. And the thing that they can be really good at, specialized retail. There's already been three successes. Teenagers walking into car dealerships and just start selling cars. Can't drive them, but boy, they could sell them because wow. they were recognized for their knowledge of the product. That's specialized retail, where Love specialized it. knowledge would be appreciated. 
Temple, it's so, always such a treat uh, to have you here. And we'll set a date for next month and we'll go through some of these questions that people wrote in. I apologize, we couldn't get to all of them. But uh, we absolutely adore you and you are such a treasure. I know you've got lunch plans and you got your class I gotta today. Eat before I've got, I gotta eat before I go do my class. Wonderful. Well, thank you so thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate you so much and I'll talk to you soon, okay? All right. Thank you for having me. It was great. Thank you. Thank you. We're gonna we're gonna bye bye. We're gonna sign off here, guys. But uh reminding you that tomorrow Evelyn Kung is on the show answering your questions from a clinical and then uh uh, viewpoint. And then on Thursday we have uh autistic artist Michael Robles, uh he's Michael Tolson Robles. Great painter. He's going to be with us. So don't miss all that. Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me and one for you too. Bye, Dr. Grandin. Bye. bye. Take care. Bye-bye.